Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Witness Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Muniak. This is the show that doesn't care about ratings, which is why we have our special guest today. Uh, that's just a joke, ladies and gentlemen. But we are a show that the sole purpose is to save souls on purpose. So this show is about evangelism and discipleship. And today we have a very special guest, uh, a great friend of mine, Andrew Rappaport. I'm sorry, Pastor Andrew Rappaport of Striving for Eternity Ministries. Pastor Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks. Oh, hold on. I got to get my makeup. Well, I do have a great face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm always being serious. I know. <laughs> that, that's quite all right. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't caught it already, uh, he has a New Jersey accent and a New Jersey sense of humor to go with it. So, what I, do you mean I, accent? I beg your forgiveness. You're right the one now. that sounds funny. <laughs> all right. So, Andrew, tell tell us more more about you. I mean, I know who you are and what you do, but there may be people who are listening who have no idea who you are and have never heard your funny name before. And today is the day they're going to remember as the day their life was ruined. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, as you said. I'm, uh, I, I grew up in a, a Jewish household, have lived in New Jersey all my life, uh, was saved at uh, the age of 16 um, out in uh, San Diego, California. Um, I'll be actually, uh, I'm going to give away my age now. Uh, I'll actually be celebrating 30 years of walking with the Lord this summer. Looking forward to that. And uh, so uh, it's it's been a, a journey where the Lord has taken me uh, from being a, a, a Jewish kid, being bar mitzvahed, to, uh, to pastoring at a Chinese church. And um, I don't speak Chinese. My wife is from Hong Kong. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I preached in English and so, um, the, uh, we would basically, uh, you know, I, I've actually resigned from the Chinese church, uh, a couple years ago and looking for another church to pastor, uh, which is a little bit difficult because I don't like the way that the modern church does, you know, hiring pastors, you know, bring a guy in for a week that you don't know at all and, uh, at the Chinese church, I was actually there for two years before I became the pastor, and so I kind of think that's a more biblical model, but it makes it kind of hard, so I'm a little bit more uh, careful in where I send resumes, but uh, in the meantime, uh, what, hap- what uh, when I resigned, a bunch of people started asking me to come and speak at, at different churches and different places, and in that process, um, you know, I started speaking and traveling, and uh, first two years, I uh, of doing that, I had been out 45 or 48 and 45 weeks uh, a year, and realized that's not getting me good in being a good local church member. So we've kind of been cutting that back, which which hurts in some ways. But uh, I need to be part of a local church. So so that's that's a little bit about uh, you know about me and where where I'm at. And okay, now you said that. You grew up in a Jewish home, and you were saved at 16. Go into that a little bit more, because um, that's really interesting. Okay, yeah, I um, I mean, I actually was uh, bar mitzvahed, which is what you do at 12, 13 years old in a Jewish home. I was in Hebrew school uh, as far back as I can remember, uh, probably like four or five years old to uh, – I want to say at 15, um, I was in Hebrew school, maybe 14, um, and uh, it was something where um, I really, my, my parents actually, I didn't t- talk to another Christian after I got saved for like two years, not until I went to college and I met some other Christians. Um, did I know anyone else? It was just me and my Bible. Um, so it's it's a hard thing. I mean, for people that don't know, uh, Jewish the Jewish way, at least in my generation, we were raised to believe that Jesus Christ is Hitler's God. Uh, Catholic Church had, had supported Hitler, and therefore we uh, viewed it that way. Um, that's how we were wow. raised. And so you know, people often ask me, like, how do you witness to a Jewish person? I, and I say, don't mention Christ until they see their need. Um, mm. 
is when I talk to people on the streets and they say, "Well, I'm a Christian," I always say, "Well, can you, you know, can you share the gospel with me? Tell me how to get to heaven." But I, but I got to let you know something. I'm Jewish, and if you tell me to believe in Jesus, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very upset with you because that's Hitler's God. And you just see them stammering like, "Uh, because uh, they don't know what to say other than believe on Jesus." <laughs> And it really wow, tests them yeah. to see if they know the gospel. And when they eventually do say, "Well, you got it. You just got to you know, trust Jesus," and I'll be like, "I want nothing to do with him. He killed my people." And they just look at me with a blank look because they they only know the Christian lo lingo, and beyond that, <laughs> they don't know what to say. Wow, so. that's that's amazing. I I never uh, thought about that, and you know you, that that sound makes so much sense now that now that you brought it up. That, you know, how how do you witness to someone, you know, without mentioning Jesus or even without using any New Testament references? Yeah, actually, the gospel is you can share the gospel from the Old Testament. It's there. Uh, you'd go to, you know, Isaiah 53. You'd spend a lot of time there. You'd spend a lot of time in, you know, uh, Psalm 22, a uh, lot in Isaiah, um, throughout Isaiah. But... The gospel is there, but the issue is, is you know, as you're familiar, uh, in in a biblical gospel presentation, we're going to start with the law of God, which a Jewish person would understand. Um, but if they don't see their need for a savior, they're definitely not going to want to hear about Jesus. <laughs> hmm. um, wow. All right. So, when. When did you uh, decide to go into ministry? I mean, you said you were saved at 16. When, when did you feel that call from God on your life to, to actually start ministry? And, and how did you begin going into it? I mean, did you just all of a sudden jump into a pastorate role? Or did you just open up shop somewhere in Jersey and start doing your thing? What happened? Uh, well, I, I actually didn't attend uh, church when I first got saved until I was saved for six years. I, I actually Oh, old. you heretic. I know. Uh, well, I didn't know better. I, I really, I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what church to look for. Um, and so when I got out of college, uh, I met a guy at work. He was a believer, and I saw he was growing uh, much faster than I was. And he knew his Bible much better, and, and I just wanted to be where he was. Found out where he was going to church and started going to church there. Um, it was a church plant, so the church was kind of just just started a, a couple months before I got there, and um, basically uh, became a deacon. Eventually became you know in, in you know in the leadership there, and um, from there I started really having a, a desire to just want to. Actually, even in college, I, I was teaching Bible studies and just. Wanted, to, had a desire to teach people. I had been led uh, in college to believe in the Word of Faith movement and some of the Charismatic movement. Um, and when I saw that some of those things were error, were not right, um, then I really wanted to know the Bible for myself and not trust other people to tell me what the Bible said. I started. I spent like four years studying hermeneutics, the art and science of interpretation. And uh, sort of wanted to teach people so that they would know why they believe what they believe. Uh, I noticed that many cults, uh, as I started studying cults, many of the cults came out of Catholic or Christian homes. And most often it's that they didn't understand uh, why they believed what the church would teach them. They just believed what the church told them to believe. I didn't want people being mm -hmm. in that situation. I wanted people to understand the Bible uh, I eventually uh, got into ministry, went to seminary, went, got into preaching, and, and my goal in preaching has always been when I when I preach a sermon, I don't care if people remember that I preached it. I don't care if they think, oh, that was a great sermon. I care that three, four, ten, twenty years from now, they hear the you know they're, they're sitting doing their devotions. And they read the passage I preach, and they go, "I know the meaning of that." You know, that's the goal. So that when they have their own devotions, they understand the Word of God, not Amen. my great applications or stupid stories or things like that. Gotcha. Okay, so you've got your own ministry. You, you said you you left the Chinese church 
uh, as, as pastor. Uh, you resigned from there, and you you started a ministry called Striving for Eternity. What what is Striving for Eternity? Uh, Striving for Eternity started by when I had done. I spent many years, fourteen years of my life, studying false religions, and I was going to put all that since I had taught it as a Bible study in our Sunday school church and actually at another church as well, started teaching that and ended up uh, just wanting to put it in a book and realize no one's going to buy this book. Um, so I didn't feel like doing that. I just stuck, wanted to stick it on the Internet for free. So that's that's how the website actually started. And then we started doing um, the Jersey Fire which was an event where we tried to gather people together to go evangelize, uh, both a training, it's a conference training, and then you actually go out onto the streets and practice what you learn and you have hands-on training. And so what happened was when I was still pastoring, we started Jersey Fire, and my church had, had kind of put up the money but we really, the church didn't want it to be, to go through them since it wasn't really, we didn't want it to be a church function. We wanted to really just have this as something that a bunch of believers would get together and, and, and serve in this way. And so it became something where we needed an organization to, to raise the money. And so we actually incorporated Striving for Eternity. And really that's all it had done at that point. And then when I resigned uh, from the pastor position, um, that day I started getting phone calls and emails asking me if I would speak at different churches. And so since we had an organization set up, uh, we then uh, incorporated as or, or filed for 501c3 and uh, and then had gone through that and got a, a board in place and whatnot and, and made it into a speaking ministry. And it's really morphed from there into what it is today, which is really a, an online discipleship ministry, Maybe even more than online because we do conferences. And, but it's really a disciple-making disciple ministry. We don't do just evangelism or just apologetics or just Christian living or just family or just money. It's you know, as many ministries kind of... As you probably see, there's ministries they do just one thing, and they're excellent at that one thing. But what ends up happening is people get out of, ba out of balance. They make everything about evangelism, or everything about, you know, my kids, or everything about whatever ministry that they're really tuned tuned into. And all these ministries are really good. It's just that we try to say these things are good, but let's bring balance to them, and that's really discipleship not just one area of life, but all of life. And So now what we do is we continue doing the, the Jersey fire, but now it's, it's spreaded, it's spread, and has become spreading the fire. And so we have one in New Jersey, we have one in Northern California, San Jose, and one in Ohio, which you've been at. Um, mm -hmm. And so we now have three. We're, we're going to look to do eventually 12 of them uh, regionally so that they're kind of small, no more than 250 people, and that way it's hands-on. You get to to be with the speakers, things like that. Uh, it's an evangelism conference where we do other things. Like this year, we'll be talking about the family. Uh, we'll be talking about the dangers of video games at Ohio Fire um, and how they indoctrinate with Carl Kirby Jr. We get uh, we'll have uh, Mark Spence, Emil Zwang from Living Waters. We'll have uh, from Grace to You, Phil Johnson. We have Greg Kokel and and uh, Paul Taylor going to deal with apologetics out in, at NorCal Fire. And so it's a training that may not be purely evangelism. We do have an evangelism training, which makes it really good for anyone who's never evangelized before or nervous about it because it's a lot easier, as you know, Ryan, when you're out there with, you know, a hundred of your closest brothers and sisters, close because they're right next to you. And, um, <laughs> and so <laughs> the uh, the reality is that it's just easier to to be encouraged to evangelize that way and you have people that are trained to train you uh, you'll be leading a team I'm sure this year again and uh, we have others that will be leading teams and, and helping those who maybe are not as used to evangelizing so it's a great event for that uh, and that became you know what we were really looking to do was just me speaking and doing those events, and uh, because I'm I'm a firm believer in discipleship and in everything I do, I try to just incorporate discipleship. In other words, training someone else to do everything and 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 teaching. And so 
um, one of our board members said, you know, it's, I'm not using my time well in discipling people over the phone and in person. And uh, what we ended up doing was trying to develop and what we now call the Striving for Eternity Academy. What the academy is, is a free, it, it doesn't cost anything unless you want the syllabus and things, but we do it on Ustream uh, on Monday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern time live, and then we take that and we uh, back it up onto YouTube, so it goes into a playlist and you can watch them all in order, and YouTube will take care of remembering which ones you've seen and which ones you haven't, It's um, which is... Which is uh, a nice feature, and then the thing that we're uh, that we're also looking to do with that is to we did a class uh, I think like 20 weeks uh, on how to interpret the Bible, and now we're doing a systematic theology. Uh, uh, we've been going through I don't know like 35, 38 weeks so far. So what what is systematic theology for my listeners who aren't familiar with that term? Systematic, well, uh, as theology, let's start with that because most people think theology is a bad thing. Every Christian should be a theologian. Why should I, why, why would I say that? Well, theology is the study of God. And if you're a Christian, you should want to know more about God. And so we should be studying God. And Systematic theology is where you take different topics like God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Spirit, um, the doctrine of man. Start looking everywhere in the Bible that talks about man and, and putting that all together to go, what does the Bible teach on this topic? Uh, we, for example, right now are in the topic of salvation. What does the Bible say about salvation? We're going to get into a very fun couple of weeks now where we'll talk about uh, what we call God's sovereignty and human responsibility. I'm avoiding the labels that most people refer to them as, as Calvinism and Arminianism. Uh, we'll go through those things, explain why I do not use those labels so often. And, uh, but we're going to go through those doctrines explaining what the Bible teaches on them. and uh, So essentially, everyone will hate me by the end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing everyone's consistent on. I'm either you know, a heretic because I'm a Calvinist or I'm a heretic because I'm an Arminian. I, I just can't figure it out. Um, or, you know, <laughs> something in between. Who knows? But uh, the, the reality is, is that we, we're trying to teach people what the Bible says on these topics. And we're going to do some other things, uh, Old Testament surveys, New Testament surveys, Old Testament, New Testament uh, introductions, things like that. And one of the things we're actually looking into is to maybe get that to be something that you can get accredited for. I, um, I was going to say, it sounds like you're, you're doing college classes online here. Essentially, we are. I'm taking the things that I learned in seminary, uh, and being very, very equipped at stupid, um, I make it easy to make things, to dumb it down. So if I can understand it, any, basically anybody can. <laughs> so the class could, the academy could essentially be called the, the Complete Idiot's Guide to Christianity. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I've learned more in, in listening to your class than probably any uh, theolo theological book that I've ever read. Writ, uh, read, so it, it's it's very easy to to learn from your class, which that that that's saying something. Well, thank you. I mean, one of the things is, and this is always hard. You you teach a classes like this, and you have all different ranges of people. I have pastors that listen, and you go, can I can I speak to a level where I got. We have one student who's been saved a couple of months now, and then we have people who've been through seminary and, and, and pastors and probably know this stuff better than me. How do you reach the full range? And the reality is is one, one person ended up realizing because they went back and re-listened to some of the classes and, and said, I learned so much more. And the reason is, is I try to make it very easy to understand, but still there's things that are thrown in there that if you – pick up and or you, you're more familiar with some of the basics you pick up more and and that's one of the things I'm always trying to do is reach all those different levels right and that that's awesome that you do that and that's something that I try to do whenever I'm preaching or, or teaching someone you know I actually used to go to a church that used all the big fancy high dollar words and you know they I, I had a joke that I used to say I would say 
justification, sanctification, glorification. I need a dictionary for some clarification. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's good to know what those words are, but it's better to understand the definition of them. And we try to do both. Um, where a lot of people sometimes take for granted the, the words and uh, just assume people are going to know it, and if they don't know it, assume they're going to go look it up or something, and, and we don't want to do that. Uh, we want to make it where, again, discipleship in, in, in mind, Christ said, teach them all things that I've taught you, and you got to be able to teach at all levels. You know, We don't want to assume that everyone's going to be, oh, I just got saved, I'm a stellar Christian, I know everything about the Bible. That's, that's not going to happen. Right. So now... Uh... You you said earlier that the, that the academy is actually free, but there there is a syllabus that you can get. How, how much is the syllabus, and what what does that entail? What, what all do you get with uh, the purchase of a syllabus? Well, what we're doing, and we are changing. We're we're kind of constantly changing this around a little. Right now, we do it on a yearly basis. We have a yearly membership. It's fifty dollars a year, and that basically works out to about two syllabus two syllabi a year, and. Um, is basically how that ends up working. And so um, we try to do some other things for those that actually enroll and, and pay that, um, try to send some emails throughout the year, uh, different different um, things that we send out depending on the topic so that people get a little bit extra for that. But basically the sil- what it pays for is really the syllabus. I mean that's, that is um, – that is really basically what it costs us to print those things right now. Uh, we're, we're bringing them down in price, but shipping and, and whatnot. Um, we have them on our store where you can buy the individual uh, syllabus for the individual classes and still do the yearly membership. Do that. Uh, we're going to try to develop us on the website a special area just for students who... Um, who are uh, you know who are paying for that? You know, somewhere where they can go and dialogue. Right now, we kind of do it on Facebook, but we want to have something special for those that pay the yearly versus those that just buy a syllabus. Okay, so now, do when someone completes one of your classes, do they get like a certificate of completion or anything like that to make them feel special about going through and? having to deal with you for 6, 8, 12, 30 weeks? The learning never stops here. (laughs) (laughs) There is no completion. (laughs) Uh, Death certificate, you get glorified there, and then you realize everything I taught that was wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, We we don't. I mean, we've been talking about that, and the the question we've been having with that is at what point do we do that since we continue teaching new classes? Uh, and we're we're actually in discussions with having some other teachers that will be teaching some topics, um, and so we might have uh, special special topics, special teachers that'll come in and and teach. So uh, yeah, we're we're kind of if it gets to be something that's accredited, then that really becomes a certificate. But um, we're working on some different things along that line. Maybe after we finish the systematic theology, which we're more than halfway done, but I think we're like 37 or 38 weeks, and so we still got a ways to go. And uh, and and you do, you know, I think you know this is something different that we do with the academy. Is I do I do use my my corny humor, and um, it's not so much that it's you know part of that's just for. You know, you 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 do have to keep attention. You do have to keep. You know, you don't want to be bored in class, uh, but you still. That's what the chat room's for. That's what what? That's what the chat room's for. Yes, the chat room. I'm convinced that those who watch live don't pay attention because they're too busy chatting. Yeah. (laughs) So, let me go back to uh, the Ohio Fire Conference that you were that you mentioned earlier. Who who's going to be there? What what are some of the speakers? And you said the the main topic is, is the family. We have we have uh, a couple speakers. We have um, Mark Spence, who you'd be familiar with from Living Waters. Um, 
we have Carl Kirby Jr., which many people are familiar with his father, Carl Kirby, who used to work at Answers in Genesis and is now with Reasons for Hope. But Carl Kirby Jr. is working basically like Answers in Genesis did for helping people realize that the how people were being indoctrinated through the school system and movies. What Carl Kirby Jr. is doing is looking at video games and and mm. I cannot stress this enough to people because it blew me away. Carl Carl Sr. was, you know, over my house, standing over my house, um, and we're sitting there, and he was showing me what his son was working on. And, and let me just give you a taste, I'll get, uh, real quick. Uh, there's a video game, I forget the name of it, but he was showing me that there's this video game where you have to watch about a two, three minute introduction. It's a cartoon introduction before you can play the game. Now, Nintendo rejected this game, but someone else picked it up, and basically the game is where. There's here's mom. Mom is wants to serve God, and what mom does is mom's sitting there, and God says, "Hey, you know your son's not following after me. Take away his toys. You know, make him go to church. Make him, you know, sit in his room." And then then God speaks, you know, to mom and Junior. You know, uh, Isaac's actually his name, and he's listening in, and and God says to the mother, "If you really want to prove that you love me." Kill your son. Sacrifice your son for me. And Isaac gets all nervous. He finds a trap door in his room and goes to the trap door, and then the game begins. And the game is your Isaac running from your mother who is trying to kill you to prove to God that she loves him more than you. This is actually a video game? That why, is why, game. In, why in the world would anyone create a video game like that that sounds horrible and yet this is this is what so many are totally unaware of in the video game i never knew that these games existed because i don't play video games uh okay i play wii sports i admit it um i i think that's exercise isn't it um you got to keep your girl a trigger that's right um but but the reality is is that you know to i was totally unaware of the indoctrination i mean it, it, Carl Kirby Jr. was showing me some of the things where he'd, he'd freeze uh, the games, just freeze frame. And, you know, subliminally you'd see these messages, billboards, as you're doing a racing game in a car. And, and you know, it says, Hail Satan. You know, it's, what? You know, things like that that just blew wow. me away. And you don't even see it uh, unless you kind of freeze it and go frame by frame type of thing. And uh, it's just amazing the stuff that he's he, he's been working on. So he, he's going to talk about that. Um, we'll have uh, uh, Eric Cunin, who's a local pastor. Um, I actually don't know which topic he's going to be working on, but uh, I'm going to be dealing with the topic of marriage. Why is it here? And not to get too controversial, why is it that we Christians are against same-sex marriage? What is marriage, biblically? And there's going to be a kind of a strong, strong exhortation to. Uh, some of the men to keeping purity within their marriage. Mm. And so uh, I might, you know, not survive Ohio fire to make it to Jersey fire. We'll see. <laughs> so now how long have you been married to your wife, Yim? Uh, well, in a, just a few weeks, it will be 20 years, um, which is not bad. I mean, we're, she's only 25, and so we married you very young. <laughs> Well, For those I, that I gotta, don't get that, I do have an 18-year-old son, so go figure that one, too. <laughs> I, I, I want to say congratulations to Yim for putting up with you for 20 years. The reward uh, she will get in heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so does it cost money to go to the Ohio Fire? No. we we As with everything we try to do with this ministry, we don't want money to be an issue. And so we don't charge people to attend. We do a love offering there. Uh, it costs us, I don't know, 40 or $50 per person to put one of these on. We lose money at every one of them. Um, we do have ways where people can sponsor, even if they're not going. Uh, they can help sponsor. Um, and, and there's things on, on our website, strivingforeternity.org or you can go to spreadingthefire.org and and find out about that. But basically, we don't want people to, to feel, oh, I can't afford to go. We've even, I don't know if I should say this on the air, but we've actually paid people's transportation so they can attend. Um, 
because we really we really don't want that to be an issue for people. And if we can afford to do it, then we, we do those things. Well, that's good to know because gas prices are getting a little high down here in Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> come to the come to the New York area. <laughs> so, uh, why should someone go to Ohio Fire? Well, I mean, I don't know. I may not have a Bible verse for this. I don't know that you have to attend the Ohio Fire to get to heaven, but why take the chance? <laughs> <laughs> um, but more seriously, I, I really what it is, it's, it's a great time of fellowship. We, we try to incorporate, as with our ministry, a lo whole lot of things. We have, we have a time of worship. We have a time of corporate prayer. We have a time of fellowship. We have a time we all go out and evangelize together. We have a time of training. We try to incorporate all of that. Um, one of the nice things is that I know some people really appreciate is because we purposely try to keep this small, we don't have a green room for our speakers. You get to speak to the speakers. You get to sit and talk to them during breaks, over lunch. You get to hang out with, with them. Uh, you get to learn from them. Um, after all the training's done, it's a Friday night is training and then a fellowship. Saturday we start early. We do, we, uh, show some witnessing clips. We, um, have a conference portion prayer. And in the evening, we all go out Saturday night and go evangelize together. We break up into teams, and uh, really, I mean, some people stay out till like 11, 12 at night. At least in, in the Jersey Fire, people stayed out even longer because you can out there. Uh, the lights are on, and people are still there till three in the morning. So, right, um, yeah, I know. I really enjoyed going to Ohio Fire last year. You know, last year we had Paul Taylor, you, uh, Michael Coughlin, um, and Sighton Brugengate. Um, I know I butchered his name, but he'll forgive me. I'm hoping, but you know, it just amazed me. You know, you had all these guys just walking around, you know, like normal people, because well, they are, and uh, the fact that they went out on the street to share their faith, just the same as Joe Schmo, mm -hmm. we, you know, that that was amazing to see that. You know, and I I love seeing that. You know, these bigger names in the evangelism community are, you know, don't have big heads to where they're not going to go out there and share their faith because they're too popular. So that that's really a, a neat feature about Ohio Fire and the spreading of the fiery events. And, and that's, you know, one of the things that is we try to do, if possible, is to get the speakers to go out Saturday night. I, I realize that sometimes it's hard. they got to be back at church. Uh, for example, Mark, I know, is going to have to be back. He, he teaches Sunday school, and so he's going to be jetting as quick as he can to, to get back um, to California. But we, we really try to get some of the, the speakers to be out. You know, we even had, for those who follow Greg Kokel's ministry, he's, he's not an evangelist. Uh, he's an apologist. He, he will, you know, give a defense of the scriptures, of the faith, but he doesn't like to go and evangelize. But he goes out with us when we do these events, and uh, he he will uh, get out there, and we had Carl Kirby Sr. and, and Greg Kokel, and Carl Kirby Sr. we just kind of lost. He just he just started going and talking to people, one of you know, and he kind of moved up and down the boardwalk in Jersey, and was just talking to person after person because he loves to evangelize. But Greg Greg really was nervous about it until the conversation started, and he really had a great conversation with several people. And uh, he flew back uh, the next day, and uh, I ended up meeting some of the people he talked to the night before the next day on the boardwalk. And uh, they they were thinking about the things he said, and he he was just really touched by that. And, and it, it was an encouragement to a lot of people to see him sitting there and handing out tracts and knowing that he says on his radio program that it's, it's not something he's comfortable with. And it really encouraged a lot of people. Well, that's great. So – uh, you said that it uh, starts Friday night and then goes into all day Saturday. Does someone have to attend both days of the conference to to fully get something out of this, or no. you know, if if need be, do they can they only attend just one of the days? Yeah, they can attend just one. I mean, it, it's designed so that you really uh, attend what what you can. Um, you know. The the evangelism training is always Saturday afternoon. We do that because we want to get that as close as we can to going out on the streets so that you learn it 
and you put it right to practice. Not you learn it the day before or that morning and you have a whole bunch of other things that you're learning in between. So if you want the advantage from training, you come then and, and we train using something that's kind of similar to way the master, which is who you uh, are, are state rep for. Um, mm -hmm. But we do what we call ambassador evangelism. So it, it has, it, we do use the outline of way of the master, but we have some other things that we incorporate on how to disarm our own defenses, how to disarm the person's defenses you're talking to, how to ha make it a good conversation, be a good ambassador for Christ throughout the conversation and still communicate a biblical message. Right, and that's the key there. You know, a lot of people get hung up on, oh, I have to do things exactly like Ray Comfort does on his TV show, The Way of the Master, but that's not the case at all. As long as you're do preaching a, a biblical gospel, that that's what's important, a biblical message. You know, law to the proud, grace to the humble. That's the very basic outline. And then, you know, Ray builds on that a little, and I know, Andrew, you build on that a little as well. I always like to include that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Heretic, get off my show. <laughs> um, we, we, we do talk about what, you know, I mean, that's, that message sounds good, but there's some issues with it that people often don't think through, and we, we do kind of address that and get people thinking with that. Absolutely. So where where is the Ohio Fire going to take place this year? It is going to be at uh, Channel Winchester, Ohio, uh, near Columbus, not too far from Columbus, um, May 30th and 31st. Uh, Jersey Fire will be in Tom's River, New Jersey, July 11th and 12th. And then NorCal Fire is September 12th and 13th in San Jose, California. Actually, Campbell, California is where it's at. Um, but we'll be witnessing in Ohio in downtown uh, Columbus. Okay, so now does someone need to uh, register for these events? They want to register because we do reach out to different ministries and say, hey, look, is there anything you want to give away in the resource bags? Um, we, we never know what people are going to send. Not saying we're going to have this every year, but we do know that uh, this year at Jersey Fire, uh, everyone that registered, uh, every family that registered, I'll say, uh, because you don't, we don't have husband and wife register. We try not to do that. You know, it's one per family. But everyone got a brand new MacArthur Study Bible. Now, which version of the MacArthur Study uh, Bible? It, just so we know. Uh, that one we got was the uh, I think the New American Standard version. Okay. Okay. And so we, we, it's still worth reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I we get different books and DVDs and CDs and and literature that people stuff those bags with and so we encourage you to register uh, and if you register all your friends like if you say oh let me register my eight friends your eight friends are not going to be happy with you when you're the only one with that resource bag <laughs> because <laughs> it's only to those who register that get them and so it's like oh you were doing your friends a favor huh <laughs> they may not like that favor in the end yeah I bet <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, I mean, it's we encourage people to register. You don't have to attend both days, but uh, it's on you. You know that uh, it gives us a better headcount just before. So if you register, and actually for for you'd want to register really quick because we we stuff those bags a week week and a half before. So there is a cutoff when those bags are. When we we need to know how many of those resource bags to make and have the have folks ship things out and also. Uh, so that deadline's coming up really quick. So I'd encourage you to go to ohiofire.org and register today. Okay, good. So now moving on to another topic. Uh, if people have been paying at any attention to the evangelism circles at all, they probably heard your name uh, pretty frequently lately you've been on the comfort zone with ray comfort recently i know you were just on g220 radio with my friend ricky gantz this past week and i'm sure you've been on other things what happened that made you so uh popular or should i say infamous uh recently well what what, what you're referring to the incident at yukon um we were, uh, Scott Smith from Schoolmasters Ministries uh, puts together uh, 
two-week tours to the different colleges, Ivy League tours, and he goes to you know different universities to open air preach and share the gospel. And we were up at UConn. We were there for Monday and Tuesday of last week, and preaching as we do. Um, Nobody, there wasn't anybody being called out because of ethnicity or uh, sexuality, as is being claimed now. But uh, basically what had happened was uh, uh, Scott at one point had said, you know, maybe some of you out here have been taught that uh, maybe some of you students or faculty have been taught that uh, you evolved from a monkey. And uh, prof- a professor got up, and he actually is the professor of anthropology, so he, this is an area he teaches. He got up and ran over to Scott and started yelling, I did not evolve from a monkey. I evolved from an ape. And then he started waving his hand behind him saying, I don't have a tail. Um, it, it, it was kind of funny to see. Uh, I mean, we're kind of it, all It sounds like... It. It sounds like this professor uh, literally went ape. Well, and that's that was the title. Uh, ChristianNews.net uh, actually had someone that was just – they happened to be there, uh, someone that, that works for them. And when the professor came running up and, – and we didn't know he was a professor at that point, but he – you know, as – as we often do when we're open air preaching, we got video going. He's he's got his he you know, he had his camera going, and uh, he got video of the professor running up and and yelling at Scott. And uh, what happened next, though, what, what really got him upset was that Don Carnes uh, had a sign that said "Evolution is a lie," and that's really the issue that the professor took task with. Um, he started he and I guess Don. From what I've I've now learned, Don had a previous conversation with the professor, so I think Don actually knew he was a professor. Where I don't think the rest of us did. I know I didn't. Uh, some of the students had told me he was. And so what happened was was that he started yelling at Don uh, about evolution, and uh, you know Don was just saying, you know, just quote the full name of the book, sir. You know, origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of the favored races. And so he was making the point that, you know, Darwin is a racist. The professor took task with that. Um, now, if you go out and you do, you, you search on, you know, I think it's UConn professor goes ape, you see it, I don't know, maybe a two minute video. And, and I, for the record, I want to say this was the worst two minutes of what was about two and a half hours that he was out there with us. Okay. Um, so that was the worst, but he, he, you know, and I want to be fair with this because I don't want to, you know, make it seem like it's worse than it is and things like that. But, uh, at one point, Don, because the, the guy was yelling, Don wanted to use a softer voice. So he got closer to the professor to have a softer voice to kind of, you know, soft voice turns away wrath. The the professor seemed very angry. And so he, he, he kind of leaned in and, from what I understand, the professor's perspective was that he kind of just pushed Don back because he, he felt his space was being invaded. Um, and it, it, people keep saying, "Oh, it's assault." Uh, you know, Don doesn't think it was an assault. He, he was just—he he put his hands—he did have his hands closed in a fist and put them on the sign. And, and Don kind of backed up, and then Don started backing up as as the professor started yelling at him. And it it looks really, really bad. It's not as bad as it looks, but the professor was uh, where, where I really, I guess, felt offensive was was when he started uh, saying, "Have you accepted Darwin as your Lord and Savior?" I mean, just mocking the work that Jesus did on the cross, and that that had really offended me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but what he ended up doing was kind of walking out and gathering a couple of students. And the, I mean, the students that I was actually at the time sitting on, you know, sitting on the side. And when he went running up, some students were like, I think that guy's going to go hit the preacher. And so they all kind of ran up. And so there were a couple of people now that were there. And so he gathered those couple of people to himself. He started preaching a message of Darwinism. Uh, and you can see some of that on that, the video clip. Uh, but then what I, I then got into a conversation with him, and, and on our site we do have a um, 
a, a video where you see some of my exchange with him. And if you're familiar with Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, you'll see that this professor was a steamroller. And I actually practiced the tactic for dealing with the steamroller by asking for fairness in dialogue. Uh, when he talks over me and doesn't allow for fairness, then shaming him, using the crowd to shame him. And you'll actually see in the video where he gets the crowd to try to drown me out. He gets them to try to say, you know, because what happened was I said, you know, you are, you're, you're asking me questions and you're not letting me answer them. You're talking over me. You're, you're going on for 20 minutes. He went for 20 minutes and says, some of you are going to be asking, you're going to say, or he says, Andrew's going to say, I'm, I haven't answered his question. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to say that because you haven't. And he goes on for five more minutes. So I said, you know, are you ever going to let me respond? And so he started basically saying no. So I just said, well, you know, you're being very rude. You're talking over me. And the crowd clapped. Um, wow. There were, there's actually a, a couple of people he thought was were with us because these students who professed to be agnostic pointed out to him many times in the dialogue that he was being rude. And, you know, and so he thought they were with us. Um, and so when, when I had done that and he was, I, I think, embarrassed by that, which is what you're doing with a steamroller. You're shaming them to kind of embarrass them so that you can have a fair dialogue. Uh, he then tried getting the crowd to say, shut up, Andrew, shut up, Andrew, shut up, Andrew, and then they all stopped him. He couldn't get enough students to continue doing it. And so that kind of ended, and uh, eventually he started talking with a smaller group of students off to the side. The crowd actually had built, I mean, you know, I'm thinking like 100, 150 people. Some came and left, but large number of people that were, were there. He was off on the side talking uh, to a smaller group of people, and that allowed me to share the gospel to all these people. Uh, and then once he came back into the crowd says, well, I want my time now. I said, okay. I walked out of the crowd. About a dozen or so students came after me to talk to me, and then the crowd just dispersed within seconds. Um, mm. And then he started talking to four or five students. I talked to you know twelve or so that you know slowly you know diminished. And then he came over and we dialogued. We exchanged emails. Um, we I, I invited him to dinner. I've I've told him that I'll take him to dinner. I'll let him share what's what's on his heart, what's his views. Uh, he and I have exchanged many emails since then. Um, you know, and I know this is a topic. There's a lot of people have differing views. Um, there's some people that feel that he should have to resign, and I understand that some of them feel that way because UConn, uh, from what I understand, the president of UConn forced a coach to resign because he said Jesus should be in our huddles, and so people are saying, "Look, this is this isn't fair. It's it's not consistent," um, and. You know, I want to be consistent. I don't think that UConn should have forced uh, the coach to resign over that, and therefore I don't think that they should force him to resign over this. You know, this professor. Um, I, I don't. You know, do I think the behavior was appropriate? No. He he's he's claiming now that um, what he was doing was an act. Um, you know, and I think I really think what's happened is. You know, he he may have gotten in trouble. He's he's unfortunately he's not taking responsibility for his own actions. He's trying to excuse it. He's now trying to blame uh, Scott and saying that Scott was uh, condemning a you know uh, a gay person to hell, which Scott doesn't even you know that's not the way Scott speaks. Um, Scott doesn't really want to deal with people that I mean people bring that topic up just because they want to they want to get that to be an issue. And you know Scott and I don't really deal with that issue. We 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 talk, deal with it as a sin issue, and right. all sinners are going to be punished by God. Um, mm -hmm. You know he's claiming that we were saying that uh, every all the students and faculty are sinners, but we aren't. Um, and so, um, you know, I think it's interesting that the uh, professor would turn Darwinism into a religion, uh, you know, attempting to mock Christianity, but that just, that, that essentially proves the, the truth behind Darwinism and evolution. It is 
a religion, a religion of humanism and atheism. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that 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 proves it because he was doing that as a mockery, which, you know, even with that, I mean, if the guy's putting on an act like he says, okay, uh, even if he is, that doesn't excuse the behavior unless everyone there knew it was an act, and right. we clearly didn't. Um, so the thing that you have to take into account is if if he's if he's saying he's trying to argue that well these preachers their behavior was bad so you acted worse I mean we weren't getting in anyone's face um, at one point he actually got in my face and started you know yelling in Polish I didn't even know I I actually backed up because I was like what is this <laughs> um, but you know. It, it was a thing where he's he's trying to say he's trying to blame Scott uh, and and Scott's preaching for what got him upset. But you know we were there for two hours. Not once did he mention anything of defending the students. He was defending evolution. Mm -hmm. And then after students talked to him privately, uh, two of the students were two of the ones that kept talking about um, the fact that. They, they, you know, he was being rude in the conversation. I think he then came over real. I think, I, you know, I think it, it, you know, it came over to me, and, and that was the first that I heard him say that he he felt he had to defend students because we were saying they were going to hell. Nothing about sexuality, nothing about ethnicity at that point. Uh, the next day, it was that, you know, we were uh, condemning people uh, uh, supposedly for sexuality and ethnicity, uh, and I and I said, you know. I actually have a video of him pointing at a student, and you can see the students embarrassed uh, over the student's ethnicity. Uh, so he wanted to make a point of evolution, and uh, picked on the student based on ethnicity. Um, but we didn't do that. And you know, by the by, two days after the incident, he was now saying that we were calling people sodomites, which none of us use that language. Um, and so, you know, things like that. And so it's, you know, I, it sounds like he's ran into the Westboro Baptist people well, previously. Westboro Baptist was, I don't know if they were at UConn, but when we went to Yale, we found out that they were there the week before. So it, it could be. I mean, these universities get a lot of preachers and a lot of bad preachers. Okay. And I understand that. And, and when we open air preach, we are going to like it or not, it's guilt by association. Um, Unfortunately, we can't police the open air preachers to you know say sorry you don't preach well you can't do it. But um, we need to go go out of our way to make sure that we're preaching in such a way that it's very different than everyone else, so that they can mm -hmm. they notice that difference. All right, and and that's the thing. Um, you know, I tend to think that we do that, but uh, the professor I don't think you know recognized that. I think he was taking things that students were saying of other preachers that have been on campus and and I think they've they they were applying it to us um, so there is some of that um, and, and I, I'm in conversation with the professor to say let's you know let's try to rectify this in a, in a in a good way to show that you know there's misconceptions on either side he says he was acting we didn't take it as acting we took it as heckling I I I think the thing I found in me was the the mockery of Christ I mean uh, as I as I shared with him in emails privately um, you know, I asked him if someone mocked your wife publicly, would you think it's funny? And he said, right. "Of course not." I said, "Well, I love Christ, who who died in my place and paid the eternal fine for me, far more than I love even my own wife." So, so mocking him in public to me is a greater offense than mocking my wife. And and if his argument is, well, you know, if his thinking was he's defending students if you think something's wrong you don't do that worse I mean if he thinks we're we were offending students so you're gonna offend us and and he's you know be proud of that um, I think the thing is is that you know there's this notion where people are and I tried to communicate this to him people are offended by the gospel because Everyone knows God exists, and many people suppress that. And when the light shines, it 
the people that are suppressing it, it it's a blinding thing and they just want it suppressed they want it stopped i mean the the thing is, i always say to people if if i don't like jazz music and someone's out there in public playing jazz music i don't yell at the guy to stop i keep walking if people don't like the message of the gospel why is it that they want it silenced because mm -hmm. they don't like it no because it's true and they're suppressing it that's what upsets people and and just because it offends the question isn't whether it offends I me mean, he he was trying to argue that you know we were wrong because people were offended i said well what if it's true it doesn't matter i said well then you can't grade any student and give him a grade that he would think offensive if a student doesn't want to hear that they're wrong by that thinking, you can't t correct a student if they're going to be offended by it. I mean, we don't live in that world. That's a good point. So, Andrew, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show. We're running out of time. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Rappaport with Striving for Eternity Ministries. Andrew, uh, real quick, uh, uh, where can people go for more information about you, your ministry, and the striving? I'm sorry, the spreading the fire conferences. They can get all of it from uh, strivingforeternity.org. Uh, from there, they can, or they can go spreadingthefire.org. They'll get them to the fire events. Um, but from uh, strivingforeternity.org, you can get to the stream channel, our YouTube channel. You can find us on Facebook. You can see the articles and audios that we have out there. You can uh, find out about the Academy, the Spreading the Fire events. All of that is right there. Okay. And what are the dates for the Spreading the Fire events again? So we have in this coming month in Ohio is going to be Ohio, uh, Ohio Fire is going to be May 30 and 31. Jersey Fire in Toms River, New Jersey is July 11th and 12th, and NorCal Fire in San Jose area, California is September 12th and 13th. Okay, and Andrew, before we go, I, I would love it if you could uh, just take a, a few moments to uh, share a, a gospel presentation with, with my listeners, anyone who might be listening who isn't saved. And, and actually, that's you know, I'll mention one other thing on the website. There is on the front page of the website a message called the most important message you could ever hear. You can listen to that free if it's something that you would like to give to others. We actually put it on a CD, and we have that. We, it's basically our type of gospel track. Uh, people don't throw those away because they have a more intrinsic value, and people can give those out, uh, buy them in bulk. Um, and if you're if you have a church that likes that message and wants every visitor to hear the gospel. We actually work with churches where we rip our website off, we put your church's website on there, and the message is there for you. So it's that way it's professionally done and uh, you know every visitor can get the gospel. But what is the gospel? Well in short here's what the gospel is. Uh, you and I, Ryan, have broken God's law. We've lied, we've, we've stolen, um, <clears throat> we have by God's standard, God's standards being so high <clears throat> that he looks at our heart, not just our actions. And where many people think my heart, God knows my heart, God does know our heart, and that's the scary thing. He says if we even look with someone with anger, we've committed murder of the heart. If we look at someone with lust, we've committed adultery of the heart. He is going to judge our heart, and that makes it even worse. I've broken all ten of the Ten Commandments by God's standard. And so by that we'd be guilty. Being guilty, we would deserve eternity in a lake of fire. Now that seems strange for some people. You mean if I tell one lie, I got to spend eternity in in a lake of fire? Yes. If if you threaten my life, the police are going to tell you to stay away from me. If you threaten the president of the United States' life, you're going to jail. The threat was the same. The difference was who you offended. And the president is far more important than me. Well, God is infinitely holy, and because of who He is the offense is even greater and it carries an eternal offense. And so because of that, people would have to spend eternity in a lake of fire, but God made a way of escape. God himself, being an eternal being, came to earth as a man. Being a man, he could pay a fine for men. Being God, he can pay an eternal fine. So he came to earth, never broke any of the law, died on a cross, Jesus Christ, 
God Almighty died on a cross as a payment for sin. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And by turning from trusting ourselves and our good works and turning to trusting in Christ alone and his work on the cross, we can have everlasting life. Again, thank you so much, Andrew, for being on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, this is Witness Radio, and we've been talking with Pastor Andrew Rappaport of Striving for Eternity Ministries. More information about him and his ministry, go to strivingforeternity.org. And to find out more about the Spreading the Fire events and to register, go to spreadingthefire.org. Andrew, again, thank you so much. And listeners, may God bless you as you go out to share the gospel. All right. Andrew, that was... uh, Well, you're probably not. You're going to do it in two... two, I realized that at one point. I was like, okay, two shows. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was like, okay, like I looked down and I was like, okay, we've, we've gone quite a bit for the, the one.